Happy deadline day, people. 6 p.m. Tuesday, August 1st will be the trade deadline, 6 p.m. Eastern time. I should say we are going to break down everything that could happen, everything that probably won't happen, uh, everything that probably will happen, and everything, which I've already said a million times, in between all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty, everybody. Well, you made it. We are finally through the ridiculous two-week stretch from the end of the All-Star break to the trade deadline, it's finally over. That is, I'm not kidding, that is my least favorite two-week stretch of the season. And it's just because of how ridiculous it is. Like, it's it's just constant rumors and rumors, nothing with legs, nothing that really even ends up happening. None of it means anything. It's just people that are like, oh, this could work. And like, I'm about to add to that. Okay. And I acknowledge that. So I, I fully, I fully understand the irony of someone from the media who's about to do a whole show about that, uh, adding to it, but at least we saved hours for the day of the deadline. Okay. Like I, I I just, and and I would never tweet out a rumor. Like I, I, I would never even think of being like, Oh, well, like, you know, my mother's brother's father's sister told me that you know, the Mets might want a pitcher. Well, like, yeah, probably, dude. Like, I, it's just, and not the Mets, but I just picked a random team. But, like, it, it's just, it's so ridiculous. The Padres have, you know, if you've listened to reports, have decided they were going to keep and trade Blake Snell 17 different times in the last 10 days. It's just so ridiculous. And I'm so glad that it's behind us. Deadline day itself, however, as much as I sound cynical right now and negative, is one of the coolest days of the entire year. It is absolute pandemonium. Things move so fast. You, you, you get to hang out with your friends. I used to do that in high school. It was one, oh, man, I, I miss that so much. Being in high school, every single year, my friends and I, we'd all hang out on trade deadline day and literally just sit in one of my buddies' like living room or, or basement or whatever and just hang out and watch the trades roll in and talk about what happened and freak out in real time together. And um, it's another thing when your team's buying. And like when I was growing up, the Tigers were pretty good. So that certainly uh, helped the excitement around that uh, in, in pretty much my entire adult life. Uh, they've sold at the deadline and they will sell at this trade de- deadline again. Uh, th- there's no chance they are buying. Uh, it, it's either like minimal moves where we're going to like, I don't want to say stand pat because I can pretty much guarantee one trade. Um, but I, I think it, it's either going to be like, oh, that, you know, maybe a trade or two and the rest, we're just going to kind of hold our cards close to our chest and 
and, and keep what we have, or it's going to be, we're going to sell off anything with value that's not part of the future. It's not going to be buying and bringing in like top end current talent for prospects or anything like that. So we can get that out of the way early, but you already knew that. Let's talk about who is guaranteed gone. Okay. We're going to kind of break this down into three parts of who is a hundred percent gone, or I guess I shouldn't say a hundred percent about any, anybody, but who I believe is a hundred percent gone. And I'll gladly be wrong. If I am, that's just kind of what comes with the territory of this industry. Who's on the fence who I could see maybe staying, maybe going, et cetera. And then who are some surprise candidates? And we've talked about some. I've mentioned Tarek Skubal. People have gotten really mad at me already for that opinion. I still stand by it, unfortunately. Um, but I, like that is a possibility. Not one that is likely. We'll get to that later. But like people like that who are kind of like, oh, who's a, who's a sleeper candidate, we'll call it. And then we're going to end the show with just talking about some creativity and what it means at the deadline, and then my final prediction. So let's start with who is definitely gone. Michael Lorenzen, I think is truly, ah, who is the biggest lock on this team to get traded? I think it's probably Michael Lorenzen. I think he's probably the biggest lock. And the reason why is he he's, he's in, into his early 30s now. He is having comfortably the best year of his career right in in year whatever nine of his career like comfortably not even really remotely close as a starter the best year of his career um and is on a one-year deal it's just there's no reason for the tigers to hold on to him there's just not so he is very much gone now the 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 market with michael lorenzen we will obviously talk about the market for all these guys as we bring them up Um, there's always markets for starting pitching always, always, always every single team at the deadline that's looking to make a playoff push is always going to be in favor of, of adding starting pitching. You never get too much. And those 10 to 12 starts that they're going to have for the last two months of the season for that team are, are vital. Right. And, uh, and then obviously, you know, if you get somebody who you're comfortable throwing in the postseason as well, that certainly helps. So um, the Orioles are going to come up a lot because they're a really good baseball team with a really good farm system that does not have major league consistent starting pitching. So when it comes to a, a match, I don't want to say made in heaven, but when it comes to a, a really, really good match between organizations, the Tigers and the Orioles certainly follow that. Now, I also want to remind people, front offices, contrary to popular belief, are not just like super dumb. So like it, you can't play the game. People like to do like the transitive property where it's like, oh, well, if I can get the seventh ranked prospect from the Angels who have the worst farm system in baseball, then I must be able to get the seventh ranked prospect from the Orioles too, even though they have like arguably the best farm system. And then I'm getting a better player. Like front offices know the worth of their own player. That's not how that works. So um keep that in the back of your mind. And at the end of the day, this is still a rental. I really, I don't want to just be like negative. Like we're getting nothing for these guys. Cause that's not true. We're going to get some, hopefully if everything goes well, we should be able to get some decent, some decent prospects and some decent young controllable bats for this organization. But the thought that this team is going to go out there and get like bona fide top a hundred guys is just kind of beyond me. Like I, I, they're rentals and like team control matters more than anything. And no one that we're offering and in this category and the, who is definitely gone category has team control. That's why they're definitely gone. Right. 
Um, so that's one. I, I think the Diamondbacks are, are certainly for a similar reason. They have a d- pretty deep farm system still currently, even with the promotions they've had, uh, and are very much looking for starting pitching down the stretch. Um, so that is definitely a, a team to keep an eye on as well. I think Evan Petzold of the Freep had a uh, not a report but a comment where where he had said that. Uh, that that might be a, a good match that he's heard uh, from other people as well. So um, we'll see what ends up happening with that. But uh, and and the Erod conversation is no different in in terms of suitors. Uh, the the only real difference between those two that I've had is the Dodgers. The Dodgers seem to be very. I mean, there was one report that was just straight up: the Dodgers are either going to get Verlander or Erod. And like, that's their kind of like scope of who they want to add starting pitching wise. So we'll see what happens there, but the Orioles are still going to be a player because they, you know, same position. So the same teams are kind of regurgitated there. Um, But uh, I mean, the Dodgers are, the reason why I think the Dodgers are in on Erod specifically, I will explain right after I talk to y'all about our friends over at game time. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee is also awesome, and it's a way that you can guarantee you will get the best price for something. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seat before you buy. Uh, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're all set. They're sent straight to your phone. No digging through your email, your purse, your wallet. Um, so snag the tickets without the stress at game time. Download the game time app and create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off game t- download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping all the trades that happen, as well as a baseball game, if we have time, uh, against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I we were talking about Erod and why his name is popping up more with the Dodgers than it is uh, with Michael Lorenzen. Um, and the reason for that, I think, is the opt-out. Now, there's a lot of people that have like genuine concern that the Eduardo Rodriguez opt-out is like a huge barrier or roadblock. I, I I certainly understand the logic behind it. Like there are teams that are like, hey, we'll take him. If he's guaranteed opting out, we'll take him as a rental, right? But then there are some teams that are like, oh, well, what if he gets hurt and then opts in? The reason that I just don't find that to be that big of a deal is because of how team-friendly Erod's contract is, right? This is a dude that, that's making 14 to 17 mil a year, right, after he opts in. Like, it, and it, you know, fluctuates at the beginning of the contract and then, like, it's bumped up a little bit after the opt-in. Like, this isn't like, oh, if you're, if you're getting Erod, you're committing to, you know, 25 million dollars AAV like I that I just I don't and maybe this is why I'm not in front office amongst a lot of other reasons certainly but like I I just I don't see that as a huge roadblock like okay he gets hurt and then he opts in then you then for the next three unless it's like some catastrophic career-ending injury 
you still have Erod. He's opting out because he's worth more than that. Like he, <laughs> that's why he's opting out if he stays healthy. Like I, I, I just, I, even if he gets hurt, he might still opt out. I, I just, I don't see that as I don't see it as big of a roadblock as a lot of other people seem to. Um, and the reason why I think the Dodgers are kind of clamoring on on him more than maybe some other people is because. They have so much money. They don't care if they go over the luxury tax. If that situation was to happen, I don't think the Dodgers really care. I don't really think a lot of teams care. The Diamondbacks, maybe they're small market enough or maybe that's a huge deal. The Orioles, I guess, don't like paying people either. But like, I I just, I don't view that as nearly as big of a deal as a lot of other people seem to. So we'll see what happens. Not Again, not that I don't understand the logic and not that it might not end up being a reason as to why his price is maybe lower than we think. But uh, I just, I have a really hard time believing that that's like a, like a, Oh my goodness, we're refusing to trade for a guy who has a sub three, a sub two, eight ERA. Like, I don't know that, that, that situation is just really odd to me. So someone else to watch, obviously Erod. Um, the only scenario in which Erod doesn't get traded is if they come to an agreement before the trade deadline on an extension. There is no way that we are not trading Erod and he's going past the deadline without like a reworking of his contract because then like the leverage is all gone. There's no point. So I, I, there either needs to be like a concrete verbal agreement. Like I am a hundred percent opting in. There needs to be a reworking of the contract completely where we go scrap that whole thing, opt out and we'll give you a new one. Or he's getting traded. There's nothing else besides those three things that is going to happen. Okay. Um, so keep an eye out for that. The other ones that I, I think Jose Cisnero is absolutely getting traded. We're not going to get some like huge, ridiculous haul for Jose Cisnero, half a season of Jose Cisnero. Um, but I, I think he's as good as gone. And I, I we talked about this around the all-star break. Like, I think Jason Shreve is getting traded. And like that's something, you know, he for some reason this fan base thinks Jason Shreve is like the worst reliever ever. And I don't understand why. It's it's kind of ridiculous to me. Um, but like he's a he's a solid enough low leverage left-handed reliever. Like any competing team could use a, a solid whatever, like four ish four and a half maybe even i think is what his era has ballooned up to lately um but he had a seven era in april and then was has been like pretty solid since then i i just i think he's another expiring deal and he's a lefty i think that odds are pretty good he gets moved as well okay the real conversation kind of starts after we get those players out of the way right now we talk about who is on the fence who are the the maybe maybe not type of candidates for the Detroit Tigers. I guess technically you could throw Eduardo Rodriguez kind of in this conversation, right? Just because like for the sake of the opt out and the sake of the, you know, like, Oh man, you know, they could still rework a deal there. I guess maybe he's an on the fence guy, but I still think he's traded. And there's been some reports that like the Tigers aren't currently actively trying to rework his deal, but only time will tell. This is the night before. Also, you're getting this episode after midnight because I was terrified that a trade was going to happen. So I didn't record this at like noon and I waited until very, very late at night to to ensure that I wasn't going to make an episode without a day or without a trade happening. So um, that is why if you're a midnight watcher, that's why this episode isn't out at midnight. The on the fence candidates, there has been some rumblings of like 
Jake Rogers, which is very fascinating to me. And I think that, I think that it would, it would take a lot. Like we still have several years of control on Jake Rogers. He's having a, a very, very solid season. Um, I, I think that that would take a lot. I don't think that the Tigers are actively shopping for Jake Rogers, um, but catchers, catchers with pop that are good defenders, there's always going to be a market for that. And, and we'll kind of get more into the players with a lot of team control when we talk about the creativity here uh, at the end of the show. But um, that's someone to like maybe keep an eye on. I genuinely think Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning, you are listening to calls on. And, and again, I, I cannot stress this enough. I am not advocating for like going out of your way to shop to like they have to be traded or something. Not what I'm saying. But if someone calls you and says, we have multiple high-end batting, like borderline major league ready, if not major league ready, offensive prospects that we will give for just one of these pitchers. Guess what? You are going to take that. These are two pitchers that have had big injury histories and have, uh, Scuba has certainly shown a lot more signs of being like a top-end rotation guy. That, that you would have to get a haul. Again, I'm not saying just get rid of them for nothing. But if someone offers you that holy overpay haul, you're going to take it. Because two bats is significantly more valuable than one pitcher that plays every five days at the end of the day. And also, this is the 29th ranked offense in the league and was one of the worst offenses ever last year. And you've shown that you can make decent pitchers out of almost anybody that that you put on this pitching coaching staff. So they're going to prioritize bats. And that's important to keep in mind if you if you like don't I don't want people to just like see red and just be like, "Oh my gosh, they traded, you know, Matt Manning. I'm going to lose my mind. This is so stupid." Like, wait till you see the return. And it, there's a really good chance that it, it's pretty beneficial. This team needs offense so so badly. That's another reason why I don't think Jake Rogers is is super likely. I don't think any of these guys are super super likely. Um, but those are kind of, I think Akil Badu is an on the fence candidate just because he's a left-handed outfielder and an outfield that is full of left-handed outfielders. Um, so I, I think that he might be kind of like an under the radar surprise candidate. And then there's some, you know, fringe guys, Andy Abanez, you know, like he, he, you're not like trading for Andy Abanez for a ton of team control. You're not going to get a huge return for Andy Abanez. Zach McKinstry certainly has some control stuff left, but um, like he, he is, he, ever since his fantastic, you know, like Juan Soto esque may where he walked a million times, uh, he he's really plummeted and fallen back to earth pretty hard OPS in like the mid or high six hundreds now. Um, so, but I mean, versatility is key at, at this time of year. If somebody wants a, a decent solid bat that can play, you know, six different positions. There's a possibility. Again, you're not going to get a ransom for either of those guys. You're not going to get e even like probably a B-level prospect for them. But if you can get, you know, some guys that have some tools that you like, maybe, why not, right? I, I, Zach McKinstry and, and Andy Abanya certainly are not like vital parts to the future of this franchise. So if you get something, if you can get a prospect you like, even if it's not a big name, there's no reason to not pull the trigger on it. Um, let's talk about some surprise candidates also on the fence. I, we'll do, we'll, we'll have the conversation, Jason Foley and Alex Lang. We have to bring them up every single time we bring up the trade deadline. Um, I still don't think it's going to happen, but what I will say is in the same conversation as starting pitching, 
uh, if someone even uh, honestly, maybe even more so, I don't know. I think that's kind of subjective at that point, but uh, there's a legitimate argument that you can go, why, what, what is four years of Jason Foley going to alter the, the, the future of this team? If you can get again, like some pretty solid bats in return for him. I just don't think the value's there for me to line up. I don't think any team is going to, because relievers change so quickly. They, they, uh, there are so many relievers that have really good couple of seasons and then just fall off a cliff. They're like goalies in hockey. They're, they're, they, they fluctuate so much that I, I just don't think front offices are, are like stupid at the end of the day. And I, and I don't think that a front office is going to be like, you know what? We're, we're going to really value the four years of control or three and a half years of control or whatever Foley has left. And, uh, and we're going to give you like several, like really solid offensive young prospects for this one inning reliever with a lot of years of control that doesn't get swings and misses, by the way. Like I, I, I just, I, and again, I, I'm the biggest Jason Foley fan on the planet. I, I, I <laughs> though, if you listen to the show, you know, you, you don't need me to, to make my pitch there, but it, it's, it's a, it's a tough market to, it's tough to align value. It's just, it's really tough. Those kind of trades don't happen very often. You would have to set the market almost on that. And that would be a really bold move to set the market on that. But there's nothing that says too, they don't go, you know what? Let's throw Jason Foley or Alex Lang onto uh, a Michael Lorenzen trade or an Eduardo Rodriguez trade because people are afraid of the opt-out thing. So we'll give you one of our best relievers too with a lot of years of control. And then you guarantee us even more of a return than we were already going to get. We get several really good prospects. So something to keep an eye out there for sure. Um, Let's talk about some surprise candidates. I have an interesting one that, uh, again, I'll say it for the millionth time. These are surprise. I don't think they're likely to happen. I don't think they are going to happen. But I think that they're worth talking about. At least we'll do that right after this. All right, what is up, everybody? Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Um, so as far as surprise candidates go, this isn't like I'm not going to like freak anybody out and go like Riley Green. Like Riley Green's the only untouchable on the roster for me. Um, as far as like Kerry Carpenter would be a huge surprise to me. I don't expect him to go anywhere. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> as far as like genuine, like, on the major league roster, like my jaw is on the floor. I'm stunned. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter. Like that's really the only people that I would be like floored if they were traded. Everybody else, I I think there's a market for and I think there's a price for. I think there's a price for Torkelson and Carpenter too, to be fair. Like Riley Green's the only person that I'm not willing to trade. If the price is right, I, I don't. I don't really subscribe to like untouchables. So, I think that there's a, a, a possibility for everybody. But Carpenter and Torque, that would be that would be groundbreaking. That would be earth shattering. So the the one big surprise I have is uh, is actually Parker Meadows, and not that again for the millionth time before I have to read comments about it. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But in an outfield that has a boatload of left-handed hitting outfielders, and Parker Meadows has had a really solid last year and a half. He has completely turned around his development. I'm excited for him to make the majors for the Tigers, which I still fully expect to happen. Um, But there are so many left-handed outfielders in this 
uh, in this organization. And at the end of the day, I don't think anyone is really expecting Parker Meadows to hit for a super high average at the major league level. And I think that there might be a reason that he hasn't gotten uh, the opportunity to play for the Detroit Tigers yet. I fully expect after the deadline, when we let go of some people for uh, some, you know, space to be created. Um, but that one wouldn't be, and, and again, we're not buying. Okay. So it's not like, oh, you know, we're, but prospect for the art of the prospect for prospect deal. Where is it gone? Oh, where is it gone? It used to be, it used to be so prevalent back in the early 2000s. Certain, not, I don't think ever super prevalent, but certainly a lot more than it is these days. And I think that there's something to be said for some creativity, which we will talk about in a second, along the lines of, okay, we'll give you Erod, and you're worried about the opt-out. How about you take Parker Meadows, who's not like a top three prospect in the organization even, but like has some promise, has taken huge steps forward offensively, is a lefty power speed guy. He's got a lot of tools. Some team is going to get their hands on him and is, and is going to have the ability to make him really good. And hopefully that's the Detroit Tigers. But I do think there's something to be said for, let's sweeten the pot a little bit. We'll throw in Parker Meadows and you give us a boatload of really solid prospects. Again, not that like we're trading Shohei Otani or anything, but like, because again, he's not even a top three prospect in our own organization. But I think that's a crowded position where you could use someone like that for some extra leverage in a deal to get more middle infield bats, right? We have a stunning lack of middle infield prospects within this organization. Really just any bats, period. Like th this organization needs good hitting so badly. And I know I like Parker Meadows is a hitter. Yes. Like he, he is uh, a bat. Um, and, uh, but I, I, I think if you can play the numbers and throw him in kind of like just attach him on to the back end of a deal. That might be something to, uh, to, to consider at a bare minimum. Okay. So now that we're done with that, uh, it's time for me to say that the likelihood of any of those things actually happening are very slim, I think. And so before you get all mad and you argue with me or are like, this guy's so stupid, why would we trade a prospect? Um, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I would actually be, it's a reason it's a surprise. I would be shocked if it happened. Um, and, and I think I would be surprised if, if uh, pretty much anyone not named Foley, Lang, Lorenzen, Rodriguez, Cisnero, or Shreve. Outside of that group, there would be a little part of me that that's pretty surprised if, uh, man, I, I, every time my phone goes off and I see, I was going to say the Twitter logo. Now it's just the letter X. Um, anytime I see that, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is it. Um, but it's not. So I, I, I don't think that, and this is where we transition into the creativity. If you were a, a listener on last year's trade deadline, um, you saw me lose it basically on camera. I, I turned into a toddler and basically had a huge temper tantrum, um, about how, uncreative that was like the trigger word I kept using creative 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 I've said it about a billion times in that episode and it's because Al Avila was the least creative trader in the history of baseball he would just trade the expiring deals every year and that was it and that's what you're supposed to do if you're a selling rebuilding team but guess what I've said it a billion times over the last two weeks control trumps all 
Team control trumps everything, man. Everything. You can get such a better return if you trade someone with a year and a half or like, you know, goodness, two and a half years of control. So I'm really fascinated if this is just another deadline where it's just, well, let's just trade Erod. We'll trade Cisnero. We'll trade Shreve for next to nothing. We'll trade Lorenzen and we'll just call it a day. And not that I think that that's a failure of a deadline. This is this dude's first trade deadline. We will see what happens. But I, I think I'm looking for some creativity. And it's not a pass-fail system, but that that's what I have my eye on. I, I want to see some, some creative juices flowing because we haven't seen any since Dombrowski was in the front office, genuinely, as far as trades go for sure. I, I, I think th- th- there's no way... This is my main point. There's no way, just mathematically, not even like me not liking a player or not liking a prospect or whatnot. There is a 0% chance that every single player on this team right now that is not a rental is on the Detroit Tigers when they're in the playoffs again. Zero. It's literally zero. I. It, it is zero. <laughs> and we just went through most of the rentals. There's not that many rentals, which is my point. Most of this team is not rentals and we're still bad. The offense is still one of the worst in all of baseball. So pick the right players that you know aren't longed for the roster that aren't going to be here when this team is competitive again, hopefully sooner rather than later, and get creative with it. And understand that that, those years of control mean more than anything else on a trade market. That's what I'm looking for. I need some creativity. So even though I just went on a a huge thing where I talked about the on the fence players and the surprise candidates, you know, the Parker Meadows thing that I'm sure everybody's going to love. I I think my actual prediction of what I actually think is going to happen is pretty tame. Uh, I think that they're going to trade Lorenzen. I think they're going to trade Erod. I think they're going to trade Cisnero. I think they're going to probably trade Chase and Shreve at a bare minimum. I don't think Shreve's going to be on this roster after the trade deadline, whether he gets traded or DFA'd um, just to make room for like somebody else young with an opportunity more than anything else. Not that he's like awful, which everyone seems to think. So um, those are who I'm expecting to, to move. And then I will say, I think there's a chance that one of the relievers between Lang and Foley might get moved as well. As much as I think that's very difficult and I don't see it, um, at the end of the day, the only person that needs to see it is Scott Harris, not Scott Bentley. So uh, I, I think that I love doing that. The my Our name is the same thing. I love making puns with that. Um, but like that, truly, like that's that's what matters at the end of the day. So that's kind of where I stand. I'm not expecting so, and maybe I've just been hurt too many times by the previous regime. Like genuinely, maybe, maybe that's that's what it is, and maybe I don't I don't have enough uh, faith in Scott Harris yet, just because we haven't really seen what he's been able to do. But um, I am just currently at a spot where I I think the rentals are going to get moved, and maybe one of the relievers with team control, and that that's that's kind of it. But I'm kind of also begging to be proven wrong with that. 
As far as teams to watch out for go, um, again, like if we were buying, we could do a whole episode on like players to target, but that's just not possible when you're selling because you have the entirety of the minor leagues to your disposal. And that's just such a, like there, there is no like, Oh, who to target minor league players wise. Like you have no idea where these guys are going to going are going to go. And then you have five teams of minor league ball within every single, you know, all 29 other teams and whatnot. So it's a lot harder to do, but as far as teams go, obviously I would love a deal with the Orioles just because the, the, likelihood of getting a decent prospect is higher because they have so many same with the diamondbacks um honestly same with the dodgers any of those teams that we mentioned i would i would be fine to do business with um but remember that most you know if they're rentals remember what what (laughs) what we've talked about as far as value with rental goes um and i'm not trying to tell you that we're going to get a garbage prospect either like genuinely i i think that uh, I think the analogy I used was the Joe Jimenez trade. I think that's a decent baseline. Justin Henry Malloy, not a top 100 prospect, not even in really conversations to be a top 100 prospect, but a solid B level, like instantly was one of the Tigers' best hitting prospects in the organization. I think that that's a really because that was a a rental reliever in Joe Jimenez. That was one for one season of Joe Jimenez. I think that that's a really solid baseline to kind of keep in mind. You're not going to get like bone, like blue chip guys for half a year of Michael Lorenzen. You're not, but if you can get a a couple at the, uh, on August, well, I guess on August 1st at 7 PM instead of six, but like tomorrow, if you have added some solid B level offensive prospects to your organization, I think that that's a win. And we will certainly talk about it on this show and break down all the players we get. Cool. Cool. I appreciate y'all greatly. Uh, let's have some fun. This is a, this is a fun time of year. Let's have some fun. Um, thanks for making locked on tigers. Your first listen every day for your next listen, check out locked on MLB. Uh, very fun time of year over there for Sully as well. Obviously kind of giving you the national landscape as far as trade deadline goes. Um, we will be back tomorrow recapping any and all trades that are made as well as if we have time, the baseball game that will actually be played and is going to be nowhere near the biggest story in the organization tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. So uh, peace and love going to therapy's dope and we'll be back tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.